Hi, it's Terence Wallace, and welcome to my new series, Stories from the Road. In 2014, I decided to leave the corporate world behind and start my own business, Indelible Adventures Inc. This is a culmination of my writing, photography, speaking, and travel, and uh, gave me a great opportunity to travel the world. And so, with my writing, I've been able to gather and collect many stories from all my adventures. So this series is a dedication to all of those stories. I hope you enjoy them. Join me this week as I visit the cities of Kyoto and Kanazawa in my quest to find the old Japan. My trip to Japan has been full of unexpected pleasures, especially once I ventured outside the modern and shiny Tokyo. As you know, my quest in Japan has been to discover or should I say, uncover the traditional or old Japan. I knew when I was planning my visit that this was always going to be a tall order because as with most of us, I had romanticized about something that had long since passed. Perhaps if I had visited in the early 20th century, then maybe my expectations may have been met. It's not that I'm disappointed, in fact, far from it. I've been more than pleasantly surprised with my adventures so far in Japan. The Japanese people that I've met have been so warm and welcoming, and so generous. In particular, that has been very true of my visit to Kyoto. Kyoto is the old imperial capital, where scores of the country's famous monuments are preserved within a lively modern city. Kyoto's citizens may grudgingly envy the economic vitality of Tokyo, or the nearby Osaka, but they take great pride in their refined cuisine, lilting dialect, and sensitivity to the seasons. If there was anywhere that I was going to find traditional Japan, it was Kyoto. The city of Kyoto was founded in 794 as a Hian Kyo, or capital of peace and tranquility. The city was modeled on the Tang Chinese city of Chang'an, and it's bound on three sides by mountains and bisected by a river flowing north to south. The site was considered ideal by the Emperor Kanmu. The old imperial city has been well known for its world-class charm and hospitality. And yes, it's true that the older part of Kyoto has a lot to offer. However, the best part of my experience wasn't the sites or the old quarter, although stunningly beautiful, it was the people. I stayed at a fabulous hotel called the Canra Hotel, which is about 400 meter walk from the train station, almost equidistant between there and the downtown core. I booked a traditional room, which was delightfully decorated in the Japanese style, including a wooden bathtub. My room had a sliding gate outside an alcove, which led to the door of my room where I had to take off my shoes and use the slippers provided. Yes, this was the perfect touch to an awesome experience. I would highly recommend the camera. The best part about staying at the Canra Hotel were the warm and welcoming staff who were fluent in both English and Japanese, but more importantly, knowledgeable about where to visit and where to eat that wouldn't be crowded with tourists. And it gave me a true taste of the local cuisine of Kyoto. The hotel concierge booked me at a yakitori style, or grilled chicken on a stick, place called Samibi Torito, 
just behind the Nishi Market, which is an easy 15 minute walk from the hotel. Settling myself at the bar and watching the chef and shoe chef prepare these small meals was mesmerizing. Not only were they super fast, but added quite a lot of flair and panache to the way that they prepared and cooked these delightful delicacies for these small number of people sitting at the restaurant. Upon my arrival, I was given a seat of honor so that I could observe the cooking and the preparation of all the foods. Not just chicken, but a myriad of fresh ingredients and dishes were placed in front of me and I basically just ate and drank to my heart's content until I could eat no more. Thank goodness I had a 15 minute walk to the hotel before bed, otherwise I wouldn't have slept a wink. The food was absolutely delicious and highly recommended. Day two of my Kyoto experience dawned warm and humid as I set out for the Fushimi Inari Teisha, which pays homage to the Shinto god of rice and which dates back to the year 700. Now that's old. It was a lovely five kilometer walk from the hotel and definitely could have caught the subway, but decided instead to explore the local neighborhoods with my camera, just cause that's what I'd love to do. The main shrine entrance is set at the base of the Nari mountain with its colorful series of 10,000 shrine gates winding its way up the mountain path. It was a sight to behold. Unfortunately, because of the recent typhoon, the mountain was closed due to fallen trees and the damage caused, irrespective of the lower half of the trail was sensational. I set myself away from the tourist throng and off the path by a bridge. Here I was immersed in a thick tropical jungle. The sound of running water and birdsong filled my ears, while in the near distance the brilliant vermilion gates contrasted with the green tropical plants was one of the most beautiful places on earth without doubt. It was difficult to leave, but finally pulled myself away after about 200 photos. Now, curating them is a whole nother story. Next on my list of things to visit in beautiful Kyoto was to explore the Gion Higiyashama district, well known for its traditional streets lined with tea houses and shops, not to mention the beautiful Yasaka Pagoda which you often see in the photographs of Kyoto. Such a kaleidoscope of beauty in so many forms, it was almost overwhelming. For the lovers of Japanese architecture, Kyoto is a great place to visit. With its mix of traditional and modern, there is something for everyone here. I know Sam would have loved it. After a fascinating morning spent at the Gion Hikiyashama district, I headed my way over to the Ponto Cho, which runs parallel to the river and is an alleyway best known for its tea houses, geisha and mako. Yes, I thought you'd ask. A mako is a geisha in training, often a very young girl. This lively alleyway was a perfect place to be with my camera at sunset, as it still wasn't too crowded with the evening crush. It truly was with mixed emotions that I had to leave this beautiful city. It encapsulates everything that I hope for in my visit to Japan, and although busy with tourists, you can always find a way off the beaten path and enjoy even the busiest of cities on your terms. My advice is that if you're planning a visit to Japan, 
definitely make Kyoto a key stopover. You won't be disappointed. After leaving Kyoto, my next stop on my trip to Japan was to head north from Kyoto to the old imperial city of Kanazawa. It was super easy using my JP rail pass, but instead of taking the Shinkansen or the bullet train, this route is covered by the Thunderbird. Don't they have great names for their high-speed trains? A Thunderbird is the second level of bullet train and looks anything but elegant with its broad pug nose versus the beautifully elongated nose of the Shinkansen. The second interesting fact about the Thunderbird is that rather than travel at 320 km per hour like its high-speed cousin, it muddles along at a rather sedentary 100 km per hour, but ever-reliable nonetheless. Kanazawa has a lot of traditional and cultural ties to the past, and so I decided to throw this lovely little regional city into the mix, just for fun. Although smaller than Kyoto, it's strategically located on the west coast along the Sea of Japan. Well documented for its precipitation, I was not to be disappointed. In fact, it reminded me of Vancouver a lot, in that an umbrella should always be a companion whenever you venture out. One of the most impressive places I visited during my visit to Kanazawa was the Kanazawa Castle, which had been painstakingly restored. During the reconstruction, the restoration team closely followed all the traditional architecture, building materials and structural designs to ensure that its authenticity was perfect. The traditional designs used for all of the framing and joints that flex with seismic shifts and earthquakes of which there are many in this area, was truly a piece of art unto itself. Next on my list was the Higashikeya district, which is nestled against the eastern bank of the Ansano River and is a throwback to the traditional Edo period from 1603 to 1868 of Japan when there were no European influences at all. Each street has been authentically restored in terms of its architecture, and in some cases still remains tea houses today. But with everything these days, there are also a lot of regular stores within these beautiful buildings. One of my favorite activities in Kanazawa was to take a morning hike into the surrounding hills. I didn't realize that once in the bush, I would be surrounded by deserted trails and a host of beautiful butterflies fluttering about me. They were everywhere, and it was such an unexpected pleasure. Kanazawa is situated in a jumble of rolling hills and mountains which overlook the city, covered in almost rainforest-like foliage and quite humid once on the hilly paths, it was as if I had left civilization completely. The best part about my hikes was discovering the abandoned temples, some overgrown with creeper and vines, and many looking as though that few people had been this way for some time. I definitely got my miles in that day, and my Fitbit was working overtime. In fact, I walked over 120 kilometers during my week in Japan, which is just over 10 miles a day on average, or 75 miles in total. One thing to always look for in a Japanese city is the fish market, and Kanazawa was no exception. The Omicho market is also worth a visit, and that it's home to both fresh, organic food markets as well as seafood. 
The fish are literally still kicking when they arrive and hit the stalls first thing in the morning, and so guaranteed fresh and never frozen, I enjoyed stopping by prior to my hike to get some fabulous produce. Absolutely delicious. The absolute high point of my trip to Kanazawa was visiting the 21st Century Museum of Contemporary Art. This museum is home to the world-famous swimming pool sculpture by the famous Argentinian artist Leandro Ehrlich. Produced in 2004, it provides an illusion of a swimming pool from above. However, the entrance to the pool is from the basement level of the gallery, and so visitors wander into the space taking photos and peering up. Yet, they are seemingly underwater when viewed from above. The pool has approximately 10 centimeters of water over a glass ceiling, which makes for one of the most fascinating sculptures I've ever seen. It's quite powerful. As I wrap up my trip to Japan, a couple of important travel tips. First, always ask the concierge for a place to eat, then get them to call ahead and make a reservation for you at a specified time. My experience is that walk-in to restaurants can be tricky, especially if you don't have the local language. Again, my recommendation would be to try someplace that serves local fare. You'll be pleasantly surprised 9 times out of 10 and have both the wonderful meal and often memorable experience. Second, don't be afraid to explore, particularly if you have a map on your phone and it works when offline. This enables you to discover and explore districts and neighborhoods off the beaten path and away from the tourist crowds, which I find to be very rewarding. I was fortunate in my trip to Japan in that both Kanazawa and Kyoto had served me well in terms of finding the traditional old Japan. As my trip to Japan draws to an end, it's been more than I expected. Much more beautiful, more ordered, and much cleaner than I anticipated, but also more friendly and welcoming. It's been a fantastic week, which feels like two that I've crammed in so much. Yep, what can I say? I would definitely come again. So until next time, thanks for listening and have a great day. If you'd like to learn more about me, the services I provide, or to read my weekly blog, please visit my website at www.indelibleadventures.com. Thanks for listening and have a terrific day. Until next time, sayonara.